one of the fundamental convictions that Christians have is that the God that we worship is personal. And by personal, I mean present to us, communicating to us. We're not talking about a God that's some kind of power or force like Star Wars or something that's out there and that there isn't a sense of connection. Right there, We talk about intimacy with God. We talk about God taking his delight. Right? God speaks into creation and creation is made. God desires this relationship with us. Yet I think a, a constant struggle for those of us who are trying to follow Jesus is Knowing when is speaking and when and when God is speaking, what is He saying? And if we're talking about what He's saying, then then it kind of goes. What do I need to do about that if that's God speaking to me? I think if we were to to poll many many of you and ask the question, what do you wish was better about your relationship with God? I suspect that one of the top answers would be something along the lines of, I wish I was better able to hear God or to know what God wanted me to do. And I, I wonder where that comes from, this desire to connect with God, right? Part of it is he, part of it is he, that's what we were made for. We were always, we were always made wishing to connect with God, God, but Follow me for a second. Me for a second in the kind of and then thinking about hearing from God. From God, and one of us might say, if I could hear clearly, then maybe my inner critic would be would be a little bit. Or say, if I could hear God, hear God clearly, then I might I might have the confidence to try something new, new or different to step out in faith, if you will. Some of us might, if we could hear God, hear God clearly, we might actually be spared a lot of hurt and pain if we knew what God God wanted us to do and we were able to do it knowing that we, that we might have made mistakes in the way because we weren't listening to God, perhaps. I think all of these are, are fair to think and feel. And what I want us to do this morning is to consider that when God speaks, what's happening is God is actually giving us a call to action. It's not just God speaking, but there's a connected action that goes along with those two things. God desires to be known. God wants to show himself off. That's what the season of epiphany that we're in is all about. God manifesting himself to the world, in particular in the, per in the person of Jesus. God, wa God wants to see him come on earth, on earth as in, in heaven. James writes in the Nint that we shouldn't just, shouldn't just be hearers, but doers, doers as well. And so this morning, what I want to do, what I want to do is I want to examine the idea of, hear, of hearing from God, hearing that lends it, sends itself towards act through two figure, figures, one of them being Samuel from our Old, Test, Old Testament reading. Second is Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King, whose birthday and legacy, legacy that we celebrate. For both, for both of these God men, they learned, learned to hear God in the midst of their communities, and it held them to act in ways that the God who spoke to them. So let's, let's start with Samuel first. So our story picks up in the third chapter, first book of Samuel. And that's important because there are things that happened earlier in the book that play into what we're talking about. And as, as the narrator is telling us what's happening in Israel at this moment, 
the narrator makes a really interesting point. The first verse, it says, the word of the Lord was rare during this time. So to take this in the direction that we're thinking about this morning, another way you might read that is to say that it seemed like to many that God wasn't speaking. So our two main characters in this Old Testament passage, they're they're intended to be a contrast. You've got young Samuel on one hand. Uh, Many scholars believe that he was probably a teenager, maybe about 12 or so, um, which is really encouraging for me as someone who works with teenagers to be reminded of the fact that God speaks to all of us, including those of us who are younger, maybe inexperienced in life, that God can speak to teenagers in the same way that God can speak to grown-ups. And so the reason that Samuel is in the temple to begin with is because in chapter 1, his mother Hannah was barren for most of her life. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and sought out God in the midst of this pain to say, Lord, please give me a child. And if you give me a child, I will commit this child to you. And so Samuel was born, and Samuel was then committed to a life of the Lord, the reason that he's in the temple. And then on the other hand, you've got Eli, who was kind of the head priest of the time. Eli is an older priest, advanced in age, and during his tenure as the head priest, Israel's not doing really well. And part part of the reason Israel is not doing well, and this is outlined in chapter 2 if you want to go back and read it, is that Eli's sons are actually just blatantly disregarding God and kind of creating scandal in Israel. But even still, Eli still has these priestly duties in the temple to attend to, and Samuel is there to learn and to help. And so that's where we pick up the story. And there's an interesting note, again, that the narrator adds. He adds that Eli, because of his advanced age, is practic- practical. And so we get the, con- we get the, sense, that- get the sense that Samuel might be there to help out Eli. Out Eli. But also, and perhaps this is, maybe, this is maybe a nod to Eli's spirit, spiritual, a blindness, a, 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 an end to see well. So, so as the story goes, and we get this in three, three short quinces, in the middle of the night, the night calls out to the boy Samuel. Samuel doesn't know this is God, God called. Robert reminded me that it actually, actually says that time Samuel did not know, know the Lord. And so he assumes it's Eli that's his help. That would have probably been a normal, normal thing. They had all sorts of things to attend to the temple during the night. And Eli tells him, no, it wasn't me who called you. You, Samuel, go back to sleep. Again, Eli, I mean, Samuel, he's something, and he thinks it's Eli calling for help. He wakes up, Eli, Eli says, no. I didn't send for you to go back to sleep. Maybe there's a little bit of frustration in, in Eli growing at this point. I think many parents would be very familiar with a child waking you up in the middle of the night for an unclear reason, right? Um, I saw uh, a meme on the internet that said something to the extent of there is, there is no human with a greater to-do list than a toddler at bedtime. Right, uh, and and we we are in the midst of this. In the midst of this, as parents, I'm thirsty. Thirsty. 
What are we tomorrow? Why, why is the blue and not green? Not green? And you leave some of the the, question, the questions that are come up with as the bed, as the bedtime process stalled out out. And I think some I think some of that for kids a restlessness that's ha- that's happening. Right, they're settled themselves down and down and their minds are learning so many things and it's things and it's this time processing. But quiet of the night can make it restless as well. As well, some of you have been awoken in the middle in the middle of the night with a raised mind around around life's challenges. And so, yet a third time, Samuel, someone called to him, and he goes again back with Eli. And Eli is listening. Eli realizes that maybe God is trying to get Samuel's attention. I want to give a little credit here, Eli, right? That he, he didn't just get frustrated and send him to bed and give him extra temple duties in the morning. Despite Eli's failings, he still knows what it's like to hear from God. And what does he tell Samuel? This is what he tells Samuel. If you hear someone call again, say, speak, speak, Lord, for your servant, servant hears. So I want to highlight two, highlight two more things for First, Firstly, I want, to, I, want to, I want to mention that it, it can take time to discern between, between the voices of and the other voice or voices that might be around those are external voices, external voices or internals. In the church, we actually word for what this process of listening to our lives looks like. You've like you maybe heard us hear this before. The, fa- the fancy word for this is simply called, called discernment. D- discernment. A lot of times, this discern- discernment happens in the midst of the Christ- Christian community. Counting on other God, godly people who know God in different ways to, just to be able to say, this is what's happening in my life? Do you see that work here maybe in a way, way that I can't see myself? This, as I was thinking this week, what it reminded me that sometimes it's hard to hear God speak. At least in my own life, I know this is true. It's hard to hear God speak or to be confident that it actually is God speaking and not something else. When my life is surrounded by noise and not just necessarily audible noise, although sometimes that, that isn't helpful. If you're trying to read God's word and there's a and there's a jack construction site in the background, might be a little might be a little bit difficult. But but I'm talking like perhaps chaotic chaotic schedules, or like you're rushing from a point from appointment to appointment to meeting, and you don't and you don't have a chance to leave. Or maybe attractions. We don't have the distraction that's, that sits in our pockets, right? Maybe it's, it's scrolling through Sophia or looking at, looking at all the news impacted by what's out there. there. Not, none of that is necessarily barely bad. It can pull our attention, attention away from hearing it. Or maybe it's a understanding of God's, God's character. If we don't know what it sound, sounds like when God speaks, we don't know who God, God is like as a person who wants to be in this relationship with us, it might be hard for us, us to recognize God's voice in our life. And so for me, when I realize I'm in this place of distraction or I feel like I, I am not hearing from God, I know that if I just continue on with what I'm doing, 
probably not a lot is going to change. Yes, the Lord could break through. God wants to communicate with us, even when we're not listening. That's some of what we should hear in the Samuel passage. But at the same time, if we are seeking the Lord, there are things that we can do to create space to hear from God to create some quiet, to maybe minimize distractions. It could be something as simple as when you're driving, if you have a hat or maybe you're doing you know, things around the house, if you have a habit of turning on Spotify or, or, or queuing up a podcast to listen to, maybe spend five or 10 minutes and do what you were already going to do but with a listening posture, right? Don't close your eyes and pray on the road. That's, that's, that's not a safe thing to do. But we can still be in tune with God, right? Maybe that's a time for you to say, I'm going to spend, you know, my drive to the grocery store in prayer, in a posture of listening and quiet, and don't let the noise get in there and, and distract you. Maybe it's something as simple as pausing or limiting your social media scroll, or taking some time to walk in the the nice ambient noise quiet of nature to hear from the Lord. Maybe it's just saying, I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to pray because I need to get myself out of the environment that I'm in where I'm having a hard time listening to God and change my situation. And I say this because, at least in my life, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, my sense of distance from God is not God's distance from me. It's my sense of inattentiveness to what God is already doing around me that for whatever reason, I have a hard time of paying attention to. So the second thing I want to say in the Samuel passage is that even though Eli's tenure as a priest, we might even describe it as a failure, I think the important thing is that because of his relationship with Samuel, he was still able to point him to God. Right? It's Eli's encouragement that prompts Sam, prompts Sam to slow down, to pray, to pray, wait on the Lord with expectation, with a posture of listen, of listen, and not just listening, but ideally, ideally follow through. And here's, and here's what's interesting about this passage. The word that Samuel receives is not an easy word. It's actually a word of, a word of conscience towards Eli. And so Samuel is, is at a point, he's kind of faced with a, with a choice. He's heard from God, and, and this seems clear. He, know, he knows what he's saying. And the, and the next question for Samuel then lies in, is he going to kind of call out his tour? Is he going to deliver this hard word of condemnation towards Eli, Eli's house? And Samuel, he does it. And Eli, in his grace, realizes that the Lord is just trying to communicate with him through Samuel as well. And he, he repents. He, he, he says, I have done wrong in the eyes of the Lord. I want to say it this way, perhaps. Hearing from God without acting on it is maybe not hearing at all, right? We can think of many kinds of situations in our life where in our life we hear something, but the action, that action that needs to follow someone else, especially so, especially someone that we love, relationship, think that we think that we haven't actually heard them. Them. 
So it was, it was Friday evening, January 27th, 1956. Dr. Martin Luther King had, King had returned home after a day of many, many, many meetings. Montgomery boycott was in full. It had been kind of months that this had been happening, and he had, and he had been helping to do some organization to keep the boycott. His family, family was already asleep when he returned, and so, and so he, he sat in the kitchen of his house, pondering, praying, thinking, thinking about what needs the next. And the phone rings. The house phone, phone rings. Some, some people don't know what a house, house phone is, but you know, it was the thing that would exist in your house. Peeler, the ability for someone, someone to call your residence, couldn't take a phone around with you, you everywhere you went. But his house phone rang. And Dr. King picked up the phone. And immediately his ears were assaulted. He was yelled at. He was called racial slurs. And he was told something along the lines of, before the end of the week, you will be sorry that you ever came here to Montgomery. To Montgomery. And what I want to share next of his book, Stride, Stride Toward Freedom. I'm going I'm to read it word for word. King writes it. This was, this was his response, this terrible, terrible phone call tonight. I was ready to give up, to give up. With coffee sitting untouched, untouched before me, I tried to think of a way to move, to move out of the picture, appearing a coward. In the state of question, when my, my courage had all but I decided to, decided to take my problem on. With my head, my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen, kitchen table and I prayed out. The words I, I spoke to God that night are still vivid in my, in my memory. I'm here taking a stand, stand for what I believe is right. But now I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without, without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for justice. Stand up and up and God will be at your, be at your side forever. Almost at once, at once my fears go. My, uns- my uncertainty, dis- I was ready, was ready to face it. Here's what I also want to say. I want to say, and we see this in Samuel's life and in Dyphon and Dr. King's life. Hearing, hearing God's voice is not about, not about making our easier necessarily. Hearing God's voice is, is about to live our live lives more aligned with God, more congruent with what he wants to see, see happen in the world. Glory would be known. Three days later, after this exchange happened, Dr. King's home was bombed. But, but it didn't stop him. He kept going. He kept, kept fighting for what he knew. Right. So in closing, I hope this is an encouragement to do something that maybe seems simple, but is really hard to do, right? Sometimes the simplest things in life are the hardest things to do. But... I hope that as followers of Jesus, we would learn to listen. We will learn to pray. 
We would learn to wait on the Lord, to seek him out in wisdom, right? Isn't that the gist of what we see in Psalm 63? This desire, even in the barren, dry places, to hear from God, to search him out, to seek him. And then in wisdom and discernment that can come with godly company, other godly men and women who we trust, we might be able to hear God's voice. And also the reminder that this listening is always in service of action. It's not just hearing God for the sake of hearing God, but it's hearing God in such a way that we can take that small step of faith with the encouragement of God and our Christian community. And to even be able to say, because there's grace, right? When we take that step of faith and it perhaps doesn't go the way that we want, there's grace in that. So the question I want to ask us in in closing is, what would change about us? What would change about you? What would change about our community if we tried to listen to God like Samuel, like Dr. King? There are thousands of opportunities every day for us to listen to God, to show forth his love and mercy and justice. And they don't have to be big things. They can be small things but we have to be willing to listen and to act. God is always at work. He is always speaking. And I think one of, one of the amazing things, you see this in the John passage, is that it delights God that we would follow him, that he wants to speak to us and address us so that, that we can listen and be part of his work. Can we hear it? Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.